right, glad you're with us. And write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you today. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, I want to send, I'm, I'm watching between the media, the New York Times admission that, well, they went all in on the collusion delusion. But now it's time, you know, we built our newsroom to cover one story and we did it so well, meaning the collusion, Russia lie, conspiracy theory, the hysteria. They, they thought they had it all. When are they returning the Pulitzer that they got on fake news? Same with the Washington Post. Now, but you know what? Then we're going to have to, um, you know, the story became trickier than we thought, meaning we failed rather than admit they were wrong. They ought to have a big up top fold only. We apologize. We were wrong. We are going to change how we do news moving forward because this is the biggest screw up in the history of media. And we, we, we told you lies. We gave you propaganda, misinformation. Uh, we advanced conspiracy theories and nothing but a hoax. And uh, then they say, well, no, rather than do that, we're going to shift now resources and emphasis. We're going to take on a different story. Now, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Because rather than admit they're wrong, admit they lied, admit that they had an agenda. No, we're just going to move to the issue that will divide this country, not just during elections, but, you know, seemingly forever. And I've discussed at length and I'll do it again. This this it is predictable as the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Every two, four years, you see the Democratic Party play the race card. And I'm going to play all the evidence again because somebody needs to do it. Somebody needs to give the history of what they do to divide a nation because that's what it really means. Um, and I say this on the heels of, of that revelation from the New York Times. I'll get back to that in a second. But, you know, I have said since 07, media in this country is dead. You know, there's a reason those of us, you know, the great one and Rush and me and and others and by the way, Joe Pags and I mean, there's so many other people that are in talk radio that are amazing people doing good jobs locally, regionally, nationally. Uh, even people that don't like me, a lot of them do a really good job. So it's not that it's not personal, but there were very few of us. You know, so many I noticed now they, they would have elected Hillary. They were all fine with being all in on board anti-Trump and never Trumpers. But now they see, well, I can't have a career being a never Trumper, so I'll just flip and flop and flail and I'll act like I was pro-Trump the whole time and try and wipe uh, the entire Internet clean of the truth of what I was really saying the entire time. But that's a different story. Mark Thiessen has a New York Post column. And and maybe it's time to add the fake fraud medias. You know, Trump is an anti-Semite hoax. Uh, to the growing pile of get Trump media hoaxes that we have debunked one right after another. You know, Russia, Russia, impeachment, impeachment. Some of them are still clinging to that like a life raft out in the Pacific with no hope of uh, survival. Uh, but whatever, you know, stormy, stormy, asshole, asshole, racist, racist. It's every single second, every minute, every hour of every day. It's not I'm not making that up. You know, Russia, Russia. Impeachment, impeachment. It was all debunked. They did. They all missed the biggest, most important story in their lifetime, 
which is now, and we did this with John Solomon the other day, and we'll keep doing it. What we're going to see this fall is going to shock the conscience of a nation. Everything we've been telling you is true. Hillary did have a rigged investigation. She should have been charged. Every other American would have been charged. She was protected by the uppermost people inside the DOJ and the FBI. Then she did pay for a Russian dossier. Even the New York Times got something right late to the game. Only just, what, a month or two ago, they said, oh, the dossier, uh, that might have been Russian misinformation from the beginning. In other words, the Russians knew that Simpson was that uh, that Steele was doing this for Fusion GPS and Hillary was paying for it, which means that when the FBI finally got around to vetting the dirty Russian dossier that Hillary Clinton paid for, they began to realize 90 plus percent, if not all of it, was just a lie. It was a lie. They had their own spreadsheet. We now know we didn't know at the time that and then that adds really hard questions for uh, Mr. Super Patriot Jim Comey, because he signed three of those FISA warrants. He's he's in trouble, this guy. And all of this blows up in their face. Remember Stormy Stormy? Yeah. Remember the judge that ordered Stormy to pay Donald Trump three hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. And then whatever happened to uh, Michael Avenatti? Whoopsie daisy. You know, but we have all of this. And the latest attempt is the, well, Trump is anti-Semitic. I'm like, I'm watching a party of people that have virulent anti-Semites all about the Benjamins, baby. You know, you can get to the conspiracy theories of, you know, writing from Louis Farrakhan's magazine. That kind of bothers me a lot, too, because he is the single biggest most hateful, virulent anti-Semite in the entire country. And right there on top of the world is Louis Farrakhan. And there's Congresswoman Tlaib writing for his newspaper. I mean, it's pretty pathetic and pretty sad. And frankly, it's it's pretty unbelievable to me. And this story about Israel initially blocking the two freshman lawmakers from entering the country because of their support for this boycott of Israel. And then, of course, the comparisons to Nazi Germany, as Congresswoman Tlaib said. Really? You're going to compare Israel to Nazi Germany? Somebody must pay for it. I'll offer to pay if they will take a tour of Auschwitz and other, you know, death camps, concentration camps from Nazi Germany. And then we'll take them to the detention centers and then we'll take them to Israel and give them a guided tour and a history lesson of Israel because clearly they don't know a thing. And it used to be you knock it away. You don't minimize something as horrific as the millions of human beings slaughtered in Nazi Germany. You don't make those analogies without paying a price politically for it. But no, no Democrat seems to care. They'll compare detention centers, Nazi Germany. Auschwitz. They'll compare Israel to the Iranians and Nazi Germany. Uh, There could be no further lie than what they are saying in advancing. I mean, with this boycott and the comparisons anyway, but eventually they did allow for humanitarian purposes to leave beg to go see her grandmother. They said, yes. And then she said, I'm not going. And don't forget Omar and Tlaib. They responded to all of this this week. What did they do? By posting an anti-Semitic cartoon by a Holocaust denier that came in second place in an Iranian contest that denies the Holocaust. A trip planned by a radical group that once praised suicide bombers. 
I don't hear Chuck Schumer or any Democrat talking about any of this. I think the president was right to call them out for their anti-Semitism. Fellow Democrats, nowhere to be found. The party that claims to reject hate, they won't even criticize their own anti-Semitic colleagues because they're afraid of them. They're afraid of the squad. Pelosi, as I've said, really is just speaker in name only. You know, there's no better friend and ally to the state of Israel than Donald Trump. He's the one that tore up that ridiculous nuclear deal where Biden, Obama dump one hundred and fifty billion dollars on the tarmac of these mullahs, hoping that they can bribe them into stop saying they want to wipe Israel off the map or wipe the United States off the map. You know, we never had every anywhere, anytime inspections, which made the whole deal useless. We couldn't even have any American inspectors involved in all of this. This president, though, got out of that deal. This president tore it up. This president did what so many other presidents promised to do, but never had the courage to do. And that's move the capital. I'm sorry, the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. It's rightful home, the rightful place where it should be. And then, of course, recognizing the sovereignty of Golan as Israel's. And so you have these these freshman congresswomen with their women with the deep seated hatred of Israel. And that's now the latest hoax. It's part of a sort of extended hoax, like what the New York Times is doing. You know, and Mark Deason had a pretty good column out there today, a catalog of these anti-Semitic antics of Tlaib and Omar. And you don't hear this in the media and you don't hear this from the Democratic Party because that's what genuine anti-Semitism looks like. Israel has hypnotized the world and declaring her hope, Congresswoman Omar, that Allah will awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. She, like Tlaib, supports the boycott of Israel, compared such a boycott to the boycott of Nazi Germany. Omar made her virulently anti-Semitic comments. Democratic leaders, they couldn't even find it to bring a criticism of her by name, which is how weak that they have become. But, you know, then the bigger story to all of this is we have the New York Times. This revelation is unbelievable to me. Told you in 2007, journalism is dead. There is no such thing as media. They've missed the biggest abuse of power, corruption, scandal in history. They went with one of the biggest hoax conspiracy theories ever perpetrated on the American people. They admit they went all in. They said, you know, we built our newsroom to cover this being, of course, Russia, Russia. One story. We did it truly well. No, you didn't. You lied. But now it's become trickier. Now we have to regroup and shift our resources and our emphasis and take on a different story. What, you can't apologize and admit that you're wrong and make the corrections that you should have made and go back to the real story, which is how Clinton basically got a get out of jail free card and 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 basically was let go because she was the favored candidate for the felonies that she absolutely committed, including obstruction and the Espionage Act. Imagine any of you deleting 33,000 subpoenaed emails. Good luck with that decision. And then acid washing your hard drive and busting up your devices. So now they have to have a new narrative that the Mueller thing fell apart. And so what have they decided to do? They're going to shift their narrative. They're going to regroup and they're going to put emphasis on a different story. Okay. well, what are they going to talk about? Well, they say that they now are going to shift their focus and attention at the New York Times to, well, there need to be conversations about what is racist. What isn't racist? I just feel like racism is in everything. 
It's less about the individual instances of racism, sort of how we're thinking about racism and white supremacy as the foundation of all the uh, systems in this country. And the executive editor, the guy that's bragging about their horrible coverage of Russia, Russia, and says, oh, yeah, that's a huge part of the American story the whole next year. And quote, terms of not only African-Americans and their relationship with Donald Trump, but Latino Americans and immigration. All right. So now they're going to shift. Mueller didn't work. Russia, Russia didn't work. Stormy, Stormy didn't work. Impeach, impeach didn't work. Now we're going to call them racist, racist, racist. And I'll give you the history of that when we get back, because this happens every two or four years. And the more I think about it, if that is their planned attack, they're going to ignore the virulent anti-Semitism. Don't forget their problems with their cartoons in years gone by at the New York Times. Now they're going to is there any or fighting for a recession or talking down the economy or wishing for a recession? Is this really the modern Democratic Party? Because it's frightening. So if you think about now the media has decided that they're going to ignore the virulent anti-Semitism of, oh, let's see, uh, Tlaib and Omar. They're just going to ignore it. But they're going to now, you know, we built our newsroom to cover one story. We did it truly well. No, you didn't. You lied. Now we have to regroup, shift resources and emphasis and take on a different story. And the story that they're going to take on, according to the executive editor, well, yeah, racism, a huge part of the American story in the next year and African-Americans and their relationship with Donald Trump. Well, if the Zogby poll is anywhere near correct that came out earlier this week, um, I think that Donald Trump's position with African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans is better than anyone thought. Because from 2016, Election Day 2016 to now, he's gone up 20 points in both demographics. Now, I think it's probably connected to the fact that, well, we've had massive economic growth and success and that the forgotten men and women and and frankly, those that were disproportionately negatively impacted by the horrific, burdensome uh, policies and, and regulation of Biden, Obama and tax policies of Biden, Obama well, now we see record-breaking months almost every month in terms of employment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, Asian-Americans, youth unemployment. Now, all of that will go away if the squad, led by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, has her way with her new Green Deal, uh, or Kamala Harris, who's, you know, bought into this insanity, and Medicare for all, which will eat up about 95% of the budget, and you won't have private insurance options. By the way, Ocasio-Cortez is now claiming the Electoral College is a racist scam that has to go. Her words, not mine. Okay, racist scam that should be abolished. Why is it racist? You know, we're coming to you live from the Electoral College, Ocasio-Cortez, according to the National Review. Many votes here, as you can see, very efficient way to choose leadership in this country. I mean, I can't think of any other way. Can you? Anyway, cited a March New York Magazine article that said black, Hispanic, Asian-American voters are underrepresented by the Electoral College compared to white Americans. Um, not only do we need to give some of the squad members a history lesson about what a real concentration camp is. Maybe we need to give them the Constitution of the United States 101 so they understand the United States of America and each state being represented. And maybe they can go back and read the Federalist Papers and read the Declaration and the Constitution. Might help.
All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean. I'll get a few calls in here in a second. I want to just go through this because now they're telling us what they want to do. We, we've got on the one hand, we now have virulent anti Semitism and Semites in the Democratic Party. We go through it. Nobody seems to care in the mainstream media mob. They don't even care a little bit about it. They don't they don't care about the history. You know, so, we, you know, you've, you've got, well, the, Israel's hypnotized the world and hoping Allah is going to awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. And we need to boycott Israel just like the way we boycotted Nazi Germany. And it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And nobody, not a peep. Out of these Democrats that say they're so against, you know, hatred and and bigotry and discrimination. Why not? I, I, I how do you explain? Is anyone in the Democratic Party have ever asked Barack Obama about the Farrakhan picture that they hid from all of us for all that time? I don't think they have. I wouldn't be seen with Farrakhan unless I was in a big debate with him, calling him out for his racism and anti-Semitism. I'd debate him. Wouldn't want to really. I debated. I'd debate anybody. But that's very different. Old smiling. How did that get hidden from the American people? All right. So they're not going to admit at the New York Times that they peddled conspiracy theories, lies, propaganda, misinformation, the Russia hoax. They're certainly not going to look into how Hillary Clinton had a, well, rigged primary with Bernie. Bernie, I don't even, I'm more mad about it than Bernie is, apparently. They're not going to look at the the multiple felonies Hillary Clinton committed and the obstruction of justice. They only care if Donald Trump is involved with Russia. Even the New York Times had to admit that the dossier that she paid for was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning. Not going to look into that either. Or the many warnings that James Comey and others had before they filed that FISA application to spy on Carter Page and the Trump campaign and the transition team and then presidency. They missed that story. They only cared about Russia if it's Donald Trump in Russia. Well, it sounds like, you know, if the Russians knew and it was knowingly Russian disinformation from the beginning, as the New York Times says, that would mean that it looks like they were probably trying to help Hillary Clinton win the presidency and not Donald Trump, as we have been told all these years. You know, what are they going to do when they see the widespread spying that took place on an American president? What are they going to do when we find out that that the top intelligence officers in this country were involved in a counterintelligence investigation, which, as Andy McCarthy said, had to start with President Obama as Page and Strzok said, he wanted to be informed every step of the way about the counterintelligence investigation and the fact that they outsourced intelligence gathering, spying on a president and American citizens to allied countries to circumvent U.S. laws. What are they going to do when that becomes, you know, you know, as John Solomon says, the, the 10 things that we're going to learn, he calls it 10 declassified Russia collusion revelations that could rock Washington this fall. Not could, it will including FISA abuse. Lindsey Graham says he's getting to the bottom of all of this. Lindsey Graham should get to the bottom of all of this. He's the one guy that can. Lindsey Graham is actually the, was quoted as saying that the IG report by Michael Horowitz will be chilling. He will give chilling testimony 
in front of the committee about his report on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuse to spy on a presidential campaign transition team and then president. He's on a local Wake Up Carolina radio show. And he said that he'd call for Horowitz to explain his report to the American public in an open session, just like Mueller. He didn't specify exactly when that would happen. He will come to the committee to testify. We'll make sure he gets all the time he needs to tell the country exactly what happened. He will be in public. We want to do all of it that we can that we can in the open. We don't want to have a classified session unless we have to. The good, the bad, the ugly of his investigation findings and the DOJ watchdog testimony, he said, would be ugly and it will be damning. I'm told by the time this whole thing is done with the work that is now going on and has been going on, Durham interviewing Christopher Steele finally for 16 hours, that it will shock the conscience of a nation. An attempt to rig an election after saving a candidate that any other American would have been indicted for the things that she did, Hillary, and the obstruction she committed, we'd be in jail. And then, of course, the real Russia narrative, the Russian dossier. They knew it was false. They were warned it was false. They knew it was political. They knew it was political. And they used it to spy on the opposition party candidate, transition team, and presidency. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. Then what about the outsourcing of intelligence gathering that is illegal? You know, we give these powerful tools of intelligence just to the greatest intelligence services agencies in the world. There's not, nobody's better than the CIA, RCA. There's, there's no agency. It is the premier intelligence agency in the world. Our NSA, our CIA. And then to have people abuse those tools of intelligence, they're not supposed to be used on the American people. Unless you get a warrant, the warrant has to be based on verifiable proof and evidence. When you're told it's not verified, and then it turns out not at all verified, and it's unverifiable, that means you did it, you used the powerful tools of intelligence and our FISA court to weaponize these, these tools that we entrust to people to keep us safe against enemies, foreign and domestic. You know, this is a, you know, Christopher Ray wants to block the release of the new struck page text till after the 2020 election. No, there's something wrong with why isn't the FBI director wanting to clean up what is the premier law enforcement agency in the world? Why is Ray fighting like hell to keep thousands of outstanding text messages between struck and page under wraps until after the 2020 election? No, we need to know. We need to know now. Judicial Watch, by the way, has been in court all summer trying to get their hands on 13,000 pages of struck page documents. I mean, the judge in the Manafort case had no problem releasing Hannity Manafort texts. I love when the, you know, my competitors at Fake News CNN and Conspiracy TV MSNBC, their comments were, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. He really believes it. He believes this stuff. I'm like, yeah, what did you think? I'm faking it like you? I guess because they fake it, they must think everyone else fakes it. You know, what did Manafort say? Yeah, yeah, the special counsel's trying to get me to turn on the president and his family. I'm not going to do it, he said. And then he added these words that nobody heard. Because they didn't do anything. That's what he said. That's what he said to me, which they released. That was the big find. But Judicial Watch, why don't we release them all? 
Ray's FBI wants to stay uh, until well after the next presidential election. 26 months? We have to wait for 13,000 paid? No, we need them now. You know, it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch all of this happen. Hey, listen, speaking of which, because we're talking about privacy, this actually fits in really perfectly. If you send email or you use text messages, if you do, we all do. Listen, you got to get Norton VPN. It's only $3.33 a month for your annual enrollment. Now, at Norton VPN, what they do is they create a secret tunnel and they use bank grade encryption. And they will literally encrypt everything you send, everything you receive, every email you send, every email you receive, every text you send, every text you receive. Now you log in once, you let it run in the background, you don't even know it's there. And it's only $3.33 a month to protect your privacy. By the way, it's only, you can get it at Norton.com slash VPN, Norton.com slash VPN. Um, but now we have, all right, well, Mueller didn't work. The fraud didn't work. The conspiracy didn't work. Well, now we've got to shift gears. Well, the story became trickier, as the uh, New York Times executive editor, Dean Bacay, said. We did a great job. We built our newsroom to cover one story. Now we're going to cover one more story because the other story got trickier. By saying trickier, that means they were wrong. But now we're going to move into the issue of, you know, the huge part of the American story in the next election, racism. This happens every two and four years. Just let's go down memory lane to prove my point. When you don't vote... You let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far. go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. I'm actually old enough to remember the good old days and they weren't all that good in many ways. That message where I'll give you America great again is if you're a white southerner you know exactly what it means, don't you? You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Mitt Romney, he's speaking to a population of this, a segment of the population who does not like to see people other than a white man in the White House or in any other elected position. I don't know how anyone of Hispanic heritage could be a Republican, okay? Do I need to say more? Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain! Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, 
young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. That he has supporters like David Duke connected with the Ku Klux Klan who are going around and saying Donald Trump is their candidate because Donald Trump is pushing their values. Ku Klux Klan values, David Duke values, Donald Trump values are not American values. They, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people. Some of them the dregs of society. On June 7, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. So now Russia, Russia, impeachment, 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 stormy, stormy, asshole, asshole. Now it's racist, racist. Uh, Kim in Louisiana, I'll squeeze in a quick call here. Kim, how are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir. Well, what I wanted to ask you today, Sean, I know there's a lot of talk about anti-Semitism, and I'm not really sure a lot of people understand what that is other than political. You know, I understand it's very important that we are allies with Israel because they protect us and our interests in the Middle East. But it goes back much further than that, especially for us Christians. It goes back to the covenant that God had with Abraham. And I was just wondering if you could kind of talk to that or talk about that so people understand what anti-Semitism really uh, is all about. Look, America, I, I can't because of the constraints of time, but I'll give it as quickly as I can. America was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Um, and if you believe in the Bible, I do. I believe there's one God, our, our creator. Um, and those principles are the root of, and foundation of American law. And all the great philosophers, et cetera, et cetera, understood the importance of, of those values. Doesn't mean you don't have room for other religions. We believe in freedom of religion. It's not that. But um, I think the reason, you know, for example, Jesus was Jewish. Um, you know, the, the, only, the differences in terms of the value structure, I think, are are minor. I think there's Judeo-Christian principles that we adhere to. And Israel has been the only democracy in the re region, one of our closest friends and allies. And Benjamin Netanyahu in particular has been a Churchillian figure with moral clarity against evil in our time. I don't care what religion anybody believes. I really don't. It's, it's a personal thing. Um, but if you're going to pervert a religion or you're going to use religion and, and twist it and, and turn it into an ideology to justify uh, killing innocent people, that's not acceptable. Um, but you're entitled to your beliefs, but you're not entitled to say to people, convert or you die. And that's a battle, unfortunately, the world is struggling with. But we now have an alliance that nobody imagined between Israel and Jordan and Egypt and and even the Saudis and the Emirates and the United States, which I hope one day, despite religious differences, can lead to a lasting peace in the Middle East. Be good for the world. Right now, the fear is Iranian hegemony as they foment terror and they fight proxy wars and they pursue nuclear weapons. 
Organized labor in Iowa has been fighting a really, really difficult battle. But you've been doing it in, in a way that shows so much passion, so much strength. I apologize that you ever got to know Donald Trump. But this New Yorker volunteers to get rid of him for you. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so that was uh, a little bit different. Um... <laughs> you can't make this up. Anyway, glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. There's our new friend, comrade. I never answer any questions, de Blasio. Um, and that was a look. I feel sorry for the guy. It's not his fault. The audio is bad. I, I have some level of sympathy because I'm in this business and tech problems are just a pain in the neck uh, when they happen. I'll never forget the day. I forget what country we were in. Uh, you know, we're racing with from with all our equipment from one place to another place. We got on the air minute before airtime. Where was that? England? I don't remember. That is correct. Piccadilly yeah. Square. Linda's having a heart attack. I've literally said to her, I said, it's fine. Blair, you guys, look, if we don't get on, we don't get on. We got plan B back up. Yep. We had Mark Simone standing by. He's a good friend of ours. We did not ours. have Mark Simone standing by. Who we did we have Jared standing by? standing by. Greg Jarrett standing by. He's another good friend of ours. And so I said, look, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You guys, I know you did your best. It, there are issues beyond our control here, and that would be I Blair not the, having the I Blair think, not having the proper equipment. No, Blair and, did not have the proper equipment because somebody else did not give him the proper equipment. Right. So let's blame up. Let's let's listen. blame somebody else. I'm not blaming you. Let's blame Blair. Blair no, deserves it's to not get Blair's fault either. It's not Whoa. Blair's fault Whoa. either. Blair's having a heart, a meltdown here. Right. As, he, as he should. Well, well, these things. The only point is it happens, but you know, Mister One Percent. Why don't you just I, take it? It's above your pay grade. It's all right. Okay. Oh, you, listen, Mom. My pay grade was, and to my credit, I told everybody, "Don't worry. I know you've tried your best. I don't worry about it." Well, Stop. we tried our best with the wrong. Because one person was, was acting insane. Excuse one of, me, I was one not part, insane. Sweet, and it wasn't sweet, baby James. And it wasn't Blair. The one person who was acting like a total complete So I'm leaving lunatic. the studio now. Goodbye. No, don't leave the studio. This is too fun. A total complete lunatic. And I'm like, it's okay. Just keep trying your best. If it works, it works. If not, we're going to go to the sports bar and get some wings. That's what I would have said. I want to get on. I didn't want to not get on. We prepared the show. I'm ready to go. But if it doesn't happen, Just so you know, it- England is not known for fine cuisine. Well, that's why I said a sports bar that was in the local casino in Piccadilly Square, whatever they call that place. Rafael in Piccadilly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Anyway, look, things aren't going well for any of these candidates. You got crazy, sleepy, creepy Uncle Joe's gaff a second. Um, and all the Clintonites are now mentioning and everybody else is mentioning that, uh, well, not doesn't look like he's going to cut it, which is interesting to me. And then you've got, OK, Socialist One is surging a little bit. That would be Bernie Sanders now. A national poll shows he's regaining second place uh, on the Economist YouGov poll that was released uh, yesterday, amplifying his battle against fellow socialist one 1024th Elizabeth Warren, who the president affectionately refers to as Pocahontas. And so he's in second place. Then what's left? I mean, the only thing that's left in this party, Jay Inslee, nobody knows he's out of the race. Cory Booker is never going anywhere. Uh, People that thought Kamala Harris was going to do so well, she's not doing well at all. And she's now teamed up with AOC and the new Green Deal and Medicare for All, which will eat up the entire budget. 
And Gillibrand is is now out there with a great agenda, accusing Trump of demonizing transgender people. I, you know, okay, um, she has like one percent in the polls, and I don't think any of them are breaking through or will break through. Anyway, joining us now to uh, discuss and debate our good friends Jonathan Gillum, uh, former FBI agent, Federal Air Marshal, author Sheep No More, Danielle McLaughlin, attorney. How are you uh, both, Danielle? Uh, who are you liking now on your side? Who do you think? can beat Trump. Well, I mean, to your point, Sean, uh, everyone is still saying that it's Biden, but it's Biden that he's electable. He is still winning in pretty much all the polls, as you point out. And I will point out that this time four years ago, it was now President Donald Trump who was in the and so if history is anything to go by, uh, I might imagine that Biden might be the one to make it. But we'll see. I'm looking for a name. Who do you think will win and who would you like to see win? I really like uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, well, well, slow I down. Mayor Pete can't run South Mayor Bend, Pete. Indiana. South Bend, Indiana. He can't run it. It's a disaster. The people there don't even like him anymore. He has no track record. Uh, what well, would qualify Mayor Pete to be the president of the United States? Seriously. He has what? He has nothing. He's. I've done more in a week than this guy's done as South Bend mayor. Donald Trump had no political experience, and he was elected to be the the president of the United States, the first time in history that we didn't have someone who. Was OK, like here's the guy that fixed the woman ring. Can be done. Here's the guy that became a, a billionaire. He's built some of the biggest buildings in the entire country in the hardest, toughest city to do business in uh, a track record of speaking out on issues. Nobody ever heard of Pete Buttigieg until now. So you think you think he's the savior. He's going to be the one that's, that can beat Trump. Is that what you believe? I'll just I just ask you. Don't, I, you know, I, I don't think. I don't know. I like him. I like the way he talks about freedom. He's a smart guy. I love the way he talks about religion. I agree that, sure. Okay, he's a he's smart guy. There's a, a lot of smart people. This man. is the president of the United States. You think he's got what what it takes to be yes, president? Uh, absolutely. Because the, he can't even been... run his own little city of South Bend, and it seems like his biggest accomplishment was coming up with IDs for people that were in South Bend illegally. You're looking for perfection, then Donald Trump would not be president. Trump University, thirty million dollars fraud settlement just before. Here's he was all elected. I know. We've Nobody's got perfect. here's what I know. We went from Biden Obama, thirteen million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the seventies, to seven million new jobs, the best uh, employment situation in America since nineteen sixty nine, the largest tax cuts America's ever seen. The, the single greatest and biggest reduction in burdensome regulation and business, then add on top of that energy independence for the first time in 75 years. And he's not dropping one hundred and fifty billion dollars in cash on the on a tarmac for radical uh, mullahs that want to wipe Israel and the United States off the map. Jonathan Gillum. Yeah. And also you can put in there that, you know, this isn't uh, President Trump isn't a guy who ran or is running on changing the Constitution. He's not somebody that ran or is running on trying to fix problems that don't exist, like trying to free up people's uh, debt and that they uh, got from going to college when nobody put a gun to their face and said, you have to go to college and you have to go to this expensive one. You know, this is the problem that I'm seeing as, as I've been around and talked to people and including liberals, is that people are trying to pick a president based on who they like, not based on who's an effective leader. I don't want people who've always succeeded because the majority of those people, and you can look at the resumes, they have silver bullets that they ride into everything that they do. I like to see people who've done huge things, 
who've had big failures and came back and had even bigger successes. None of the people that we talk about on the Democrat side are like that. All these people are running on issues that are not issues on a daily basis that affect this country or affect the people. They don't talk about China the way it should be talked about. They don't talk about any of these issues the way that they should talk. They talk about health care for everybody. They don't talk about cleaning up the inner city. They talk about uh, Trump's decisions on tariffs. They don't have a plan to deal with China, who was building not only an economic uh, fortress, but are trying to build a military fortress around the world. They don't talk to any of that stuff. You, there's nothing, Danielle, that you can say about any of these people, especially Judge, who doesn't even know how to identify a weapon proper that he supposedly carried when he was in the military. There's nothing you can say about these people that will ever prove to me, somebody who's looking for a leader, that they have the ability or have shown that they have the ability to lead in all their time in politics. Danielle? I think I think any of these. I think Biden, I think Sanders, I think Warren, I think Harris, I think Buttigieg, any of these people could do the job of president, and they could do it well. None of them are going to give a $1.5 trillion tax cut to billionaires that is putting... All right, can we, so can we just... Can I slow you down for a second? It. Hold on a second. When you have Paul Begala criticizing Sleepy Creepy, when you have... David Axelrod saying, if you can't cut it, you can't hide. You got to you got to get out. Either you cut it or you can't. And that's probably the best you're going to get out of, of Sleepy Creepy. When you have a guy whose own wife says to, you know, you'll have to swallow and vote for Joe, my husband. That's not good. When when you have to have the guy's brain surgeon say, no, his brain is really working. And when he says stupid stuff like Joe. 30330 uh, on numerous occasions refers to Margaret Thatcher instead of Theresa May when he says poor kids is just as bright, just as bright as white kids. And he says you can't work at a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And he said for the first time, uh, this is historic for the first time you have an African-American that is bright, articulate and clean. It's storybook, man. And of course, spent time uh, going against integration and supporting segregation. Uh, when he brags about being from a slave state, my, my state's not a liberal state. My state's a slave state. Um, and, you know, I can keep going. We, we choose truth over facts, he said. You really think he's up for this job? You really believe that? You know, I think he can do it. And I'm not going to say that he hasn't had his gas. I mean, you clear, really you know, believe he's up to be the president of the United States? Look, you know what he's not going to do is go to North Korea and get nothing out of it. He's not going to ban transgender people from the military. Well, like, I'm not going to. Well, I'm not going to let that stand. Donald Trump got the remains that have been of American heroes from the 50s. Donald Trump for months, over a year and a half. No, we weren't having rockets fired over Japan. Well, there have been a couple of tests lately, but not over Japan. Been six. Hang on. Six then we also got hostages released and the president gave nothing but his time. Now, I think if I'm going to get hostages released, remains returned and at least 18 months of no more rockets over Japan, I think the president did pretty good on that deal. We've had remains returned to us without any presidential. You know what I think is dumb? I think the president has ever gone because we give them legitimacy. OK, you know what I think? You want to talk about legitimacy? Would you think it was smart to drop one hundred and fifty billion in cash and other currency on the tarmac of mullahs in Iran that say they want to wipe Israel and the U.S. off the map? Was that smart? 
that was a decision that was made, by the way. I didn't ask you what was it. Help. You sound like the Blasio. Was yes, that a smart decision? Yes, was that a yes, smart decision? We, yes, because we got an Iran yes. nuclear deal. And yes. We you think it was smart to bribe uranium. dictators that threatened to wipe us off the map? This was eight countries plus the European Union. I don't this, care about the eight countries. It was Biden and Obama, $150 billion. You think that was smart? I do. It did what it was meant to do. And now we have nothing. We, we don't even have verification. We, in that deal, we didn't even have any place, any time inspections in Iran. You think I, I, I mean, that's that they is spectacularly amazing to me that you no. think that was a good deal. No, they exported 98 percent of their enriched uranium out of the country. They got rid of all their or many of their centrifuges. They made a commitment to not enrich and they did not enrich. They only started enriching to we weapons grade materials once we walked from the only Iraq reason they had the ability is because uh, Biden and Obama gave them the money, Jonathan Gillum. <laughs> do you, I mean, seriously, Daniel, uh, do you think when you point out these statistics about uranium and these things, where do you get these statistics? We have a government that has lied to us about an investigation of our president, have spied on Americans, lied about that, came up with false information, and you're going to accept statistics about to them about what a country that may or may not be exporting their and, and or storing their uranium. Well, the fact is, our president was never spied. Know. Our president was never spied on, Jonathan. That's not true. That is 100 percent true. He was spied on in a multitude of ways. What do you think the FISA application gave uh, gave the the people that were were it gave them the backdoor access to all things Trump? What do you think the outsourcing? What do you think the outsourcing of illegal activities and and spying and intelligence gathering was for to circumvent American laws, to spy on Americans and a U.S. president? That all happened, Danielle. No, by the time Carter Page was being surveilled, he wasn't even in the campaign anymore. It didn't matter. It gave them a so, back door so into every past email chain he's ever had and a door to wherever that took them. Well, you know what? I, somebody's talking to Russia. I want to know about it. Don't you? Well, yeah, I'd like to know how Russia basically in the New York Times said it, not me, that they knowingly they knew the intelligence was going to Hillary Clinton and it was Russian misinformation from the get go, according to the New York Times. And she paid for it to influence and steal that election like she stole the primary from Bernie Sanders. She and she had deep state operatives that should have put her in jail that, that didn't apply the laws equally to her to allow her to continue in the race. And then they used her dirty Russian dossier as a means of bludgeoning a candidate, a, tr a transition team and a president. So if they wanted her to win so badly, why did James Comey write a letter to Congress 11 days before the election? Because the NYPD was about to break it wide open because there were people that knew he was covering for her. There's your answer. I got to take a break. All right. All right, glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. All right, so Danielle is standing by sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe. You know, you can't go to a 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And, and oh, by the way, my state's a slave state. And his poor wife saying, yeah, you're going to have to swallow. You'll have to swallow a little to vote for my husband. We prefer truth over fa facts. And poor kids are, are just as uh, bright and talented as white kids. And... Oh, this is the first time ever you have an African-American who's bright, articulate and clean. Man, that storybook, uh, Margaret Thatcher. Oops, not Margaret Thatcher. I mean, it just keeps building. No, let's remind Danielle as we continue our debate. If you agree with me, go to Joe 
303-303-3030 and help me in this fight. I watched what happened when the kids from Parkland marched up to, and I, 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 I met with them, and then they went off to up on the hill when I was vice president, and they went off the hill to go into those neighborhoods. We got to let them know who we are. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Truth over facts. Words that stun the nation, and I would argue, I know, shocked the world. International leaders spoke about it. You had people like Margaret that excuse me, you had people like the, the former chairman and leader of the party in, in Germany. You had Angela Merkel. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s, when I got engaged, um, you know, up to that time, remember, there was not, none of you women will know this, but a couple men may remember. That was a time in the early, late 60s, or the early 60s and 60s, where it was drop out, go to Haight-Asbury, don't get engaged, don't trust anybody over 30. I mean, your candidate might be better on, I don't know, health care than Joe is. But you've got to look at who's going to win this election. And maybe you have to swallow a little bit and say, okay, I sort of personally like so-and-so better. But your bottom line has to be that we have to be Trump. Yes, I know that not all of you are committed to my husband. Um, and I respect that. But I want you to think about your candidate, his or her electability, and who's going to win this race. Yes, his own wife, you may have to swallow a little. I know you don't like Joe like your candidate, but maybe he's more electable. Okay, now I'm going to let Jonathan debate Danielle because I, I'm too apoplectic still over Danielle's support of this madness and support of the Iranian deal and this insanity of giving mullahs that threatened to wipe Israel and the U.S. off the map. I'm probably too angry today, Jonathan, to deal with her, uh, who's a good friend of ours, and I don't want to ruin our friendship, but I, I, it drives me nuts. If if I can't believe anybody would think this man is ready to be president or Mayor Pete, as she's suggesting. So what do you say? I, I think, honestly, what it comes down to is the fact that the Democrats don't really care who's president as long as they get a win. And why is that? Because this is where I will give the Democrats uh, a round of applause. They are unified and they don't care. They don't hire individual congressmen. They don't hire individual senators or a president that thinks for himself, which this president that we have now shows that he can do. They want to pick people who will tow the ideological party line. And that is a severe problem because the party line and ideologies are not what fix problems. Solutions fix problems. And I will just, I want to say this to Danielle about what she said before about North Korea. You don't solve a case. If you go try a case, you're an attorney, you do a jury selection, you go through and you lay out the facts, you try to prove a guilt or not guilty to uh, the jury and to the judge. You don't do that in one sitting. You don't do that in one meeting. You don't do that with one proffer of the client, or in my case, when I was with the FBI, of the person that we may bring up on the stand. You do that over a period of time. These things take time. 
And for people to say, such as yourself, to go out and say, this president is a failure because he met with North Korea once and he didn't get what he wanted, is complete hogwash. It takes time. You have to build rapport. You have to look for facts. And there's political maneuvering that happens behind the scenes. All this stuff is nonsense. And it's, it's time for you all to realize that you cannot pick a leader based on an ideology. You have to pick a leader if that's, in fact, what you want. You have to pick a leader that stands on their own and looks for solutions. And there's no argument that you're going to have against that. No, no. I, look, Jonathan, I don't disagree. Uh, a couple of things. North Korea, totally agree. Your analogy to trial makes perfect sense. Here is the thing. Kim Jong-un and his father before him and his father before him, so the entire Kim dynasty, have looked for legitimacy since they since the, the, North, the end of the North Korea-South Korea war, right? They've looked for legitimacy. There have been there have been entreaties and there have been discussions for years, since the 90s. It never involved a president because that was the prize. The prize for North Korea was having a U.S. president on soil with flags alongside each other. That was a win for the Kim family, not only for this Kim, but for his father and his grandfather before him. My concern is that we, he got that photo opportunity. We didn't get anything yet. We got some remains. There's thousands more remains still to, to come back here. But the big problem with North Korea is... There, there are nuclear weapons. They have long-range missiles. They threaten our homeland. They also threaten our allies in the region. We should care about those allies because they also help us against China. So that's why my concern showing up in Pyongyang and giving Kim Jong-un a win, and I'm not clear that we got anything on the nuclear side in response but to Danielle, it. the real problem is that they are legitimized because of the 50 years that nobody fixed the problem. We could have gone in there multiple times and destroyed North Korea's ability to do anything, and we never did. Why? Because of politics. And now you have a country that has potentially nuclear weapons, and they're 30 miles away from 37 million people. Yeah, that so. has reached a level that is presidential. And for somebody to step up and say, I have the command presence, and the courage and the confidence to go in and face this person, well, you're going to have, that's what we need. We need somebody to, to show them not only are we willing, the, the most powerful world leader that there is, willing to come in there and say, listen, this needs to stop. But I don't doubt for a second, if they escalated it, that this president would do militarily what needed to be done. Those are things that stop dictators in their tracks. Sure. And I, I don't I don't disagree. I, of course, I believe that our president and the people who are uh, military will do everything to protect Americans. There's no question in my mind that that's the case. My concern is that we gave him something. We got nothing in return. And now it's been more than two years, obviously, nearly three years since the president has been the president. And we've got no change. In fact, we have now six different missiles, short range, threatening Japan. They have not stopped their nuclear weapons program at okay, all. OK, I have I to start. I have to step stopped. in. One of the dumbest parts of the deal is Iran kept every ability that they had. There were they, they never agreed to our inspectors. They never agreed to any place, any time inspections. They basically said, give us the money and take our word for it. And they never stopped. We got nothing out of that deal. Zero. If you don't have any place, any time inspections anywhere, it doesn't it's not worth the the paper it's printed on. And just because Macron and Merkel think it's such a good deal doesn't mean a thing to me because 
I understand these radical mullahs for who they are. They have been fighting proxy wars. They have been fomenting terror. They have killed Americans in Iraq and elsewhere. They are the number one state sponsor of terror and giving them $150 billion to even spend more money fomenting terror and building their nuclear weapons is the single dumbest foreign policy blunder in the history. It's right up there with Neville Chamberlain telling uh, the people of Great Britain after the meeting in Munich that we'll have peace in our time. It is classic appeasement, just like Bill Clinton said, this is a good deal for the American people and they're not going to have nuclear weapons. When he tried to bribe Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, Donald Trump gave nothing to Kim Jong-un, nothing. Remains were returned. We had hostages returned. We had an 18-month stoppage of missiles flying over Japan and elsewhere. You know what? All Donald Trump gave him was time. That's it. Nothing else. He also stopped South Korean military exercises, which is an important thing not only for readiness, but to show North Korea that we are serious about that border and protecting our allies. We're still protecting South Korea with a military presence that is exactly the same. So we're not doing exercises. We can do as many military exercises as we want. North Korea is pretty darn aware that if we want, we'll wipe them out. There's nothing that, Daniel, there's nothing anybody can say. There's nothing anybody can say that will alleviate the burden of the media and the, and everybody else looking down at Trump every time he says something or does something that he's being hammered for it because of the way the world has been programmed to think that he's done the wrong thing. The fact is, this is exactly the way these things work out. And if you look at what Sean was just talking about with Iran, if you look at the way the Bo Bergdahl case was handled, if you look at all of the decisions that the Obama administration ever made when it had to do with bad people, it ended in appeasement. And it also ended with us getting nothing, or in the case of Bo Bergdahl, uh, a, you know, basically a traitor. And they got five of the worst guys that we had in lockup. I mean, this is the way that they did it under the Obama administration. I would say even the Clintons did it. But when it comes to Trump, he's willing to sit down with people, maybe maneuver a little bit. But ultimately, what we still have there is a dictator that looks at President Trump and says, I don't know if I really want to mess with this guy. He hasn't done any big moves. Iran has done some things but they haven't done any major moves. I would like to see a military strike on Iran. That's my own personal opinion. But I think when we look at the way the president works, these foreign, uh, these foreign engagements with these dictators and these ideological uh, maniacs, he's gone smooth and he's gone straightforward and he is not appeased. That is the biggest thing that comes out of this. What you call appeasement, I call multilateralism. So the Iran nuclear deal was not appeasement. This is not Neville Chamberlain and Hitler. It's just not. It's just not. It was never designed to deal with their international, excuse me, international, uh, uh, their ICBMs, their missiles. It was never designed to deal with terror. There were other ways that we were dealing with, uh, which I agree, they're a massive threat. They are the biggest threat in the Middle East, if not the world. Believe me, I'm not a fan of Iran. But what I didn't want and what I don't want is Iran to be enriching uranium so they have a nuclear weapon. And the steel was working. It's not working anymore. It's basically what's well, half done because the rest of the countries are still in. I guess this is my question. Why didn't he stay in and make it better? Why didn't he stay in and make it tougher? I think it could be made tough. I totally agree with you, Sean. But walking away shows, A, we don't 
we don't keep our commitments because we, we walked away first and it's a huge PR win for them. Number two, where do we go from here? Yes, we have more sanctions and we're leveraging and leveraging and leveraging. Will we ever get a deal or are we just going to basically leverage them and sanction them into the deal? I got to take a break. More with Danielle and Jonathan. Danielle gets very poor grades today. I mean, I don't know. She usually is far more reasonable than this. I don't know what's happening. I think she's got sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joeitis. I don't know. All right, final moments. Uh, what has been a pretty feisty hour, Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin. All right, if you had to predict today, both of you, I just want a name. Who will be the nominee, and who do you want to be the nominee for the Democrats? Danielle, I will start with you. <laughs> oh, that's so kind of you. You know what, right now, I'm going to say Joe Biden and Joe Biden, and uh, don't get annoyed at me. Jonathan? <laughs> I know you don't I, want anybody because you're going to vote for Trump, Biden, but, but I don't know if he's. I, who do you, who, who, who do you think it, it will be? Elizabeth. You think it'll be who? Me? I think it'll be Elizabeth Warren. Who likely. would you prefer Donald Trump go up against? Any of them. He's, he'll crush any of them if the American people wake up and see who a true leader really is and go back to the polls like they did, you know, in, in the last election. All right. Thank you both for being here. Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin, 800-941-SEAN. Will you investigate the investigators? A lot of big breaking news. Our list, what is coming out now in the weeks ahead? Because it's all hitting in the fall. Jonathan so John Solomon's 10 items. Greg Jarrett weighs in on that. And of course, yeah, what did President Obama know and when did he know it as it relates to a counterintelligence investigation? That always starts with a president in an Oval Office. He knew. When did he know it? How did he know it? And why did he start it? And how often was he briefed on it? Greg Jarrett, next, as we continue. Have you initiated any internal reviews of the FBI's action during the 2016 election? Uh, well, Mr. Chairman, there are a couple things going on. First, there is, of course, the uh, ongoing Inspector General's investigation uh, that's being conducted by the Independent uh, Office of Inspector General, uh, and our folks are, are uh, assisting them with their effort. Uh, and then second, as you alluded to, uh, the, now that the special counsel investigation is completed uh, and having only recently returned to the department, the Attorney General is seeking to understand better the circumstances uh, at the department and the FBI relating to how this investigation uh, started. And we're working to help him uh, get that understanding. I think that's part of his job and, and part of mine. Well, we've learned in the last uh, month that there was information that the number two person in the European Affairs Department of the State Department, and if you recall, we've long been looking at the State Department, looking for any information the State Department had on Christopher Steele or anything involved in this Russia hoax. So that information, we now, we now know that the government had that in 2016. So the State Department in October of 2016, emails went to the FBI uh, saying things like that Christopher Steele was not believable, that he wanted to, he wanted to uh, bring this out before the election. That should be a big red flag. Also said that, there, that this, the, this so-called Russia hoax, uh, the operation against Trump or with Trump that Trump was a part of was being run out of the Russian consulate in Miami. Well, it ends up, guess what? There is no Russian consulate in Miami. So this number two person at the State Department in Kavalek, she informed the FBI of these concerns. Now, why is that important? It's important for a number of reasons, but first and foremost, the FISA court should have had this. The FBI had it, the FISA court should have had it before they went 
went and spied on the Trump campaign by getting a warrant on Carter Page. Another reason why this is important for the FBI is because the Congress, under the Republican control last time, asked for anything and everything on Christopher Steele. Clearly, if we would have had this two and a half years ago when we started this investigation, we would be in a much different place today than we are. Yeah. So because this is clearly obstructing a congressional investigation. So someone at the FBI determined to hide this information, not provide it to the court. And what I'm concerned about is not provide it to the U.S. Congress. So they have till Friday to get it to us. And if they don't, we will make our ninth criminal referral. Uh, basically, we won't know exactly who at the FBI obstructed justice, but some Durham or the, the Department of Justice should be able to figure it out because there's emails that, that went around and somebody decided not to give it to the Congress. All right. That was Devin Nunes. And yeah, if they got what they had asked for two and a half years ago, we would be a lot further along. And this probably this whole mess would never have happened from the get go. And, you know, I, I don't see anything that it is all that impressive from Christopher Ray. He's now saying he's working with Barr to understand how the Trump investigation got started. But, you know, we've had we have all these new developments and then we have what John Solomon has classified as the 10 declassified Russia collusion revelations that will rock Washington, D.C. And it's going to happen this fall. It's the wait is is pretty much finally over. And the I's are being dotted. The T's are being crossed. There are still people that are being interviewed and interrogated and frankly, probably put under oath in Europe and elsewhere. And among the many things, we will get Christopher Steele's confidential human source report reports at the FBI, the documents that have known, you know, that these 1023 reports that show exactly what transpired each and every time that Steele and his FBI handlers met. And what did they know and when did they know it? We have 53 House Intel interviews by the House Intelligence Committee of all these key players in the Russian probe. We have the Stefan Halper documents. And of course, then that raises the question he just claimed recently in a court case. Well, I'm I, I, I'm I'm being paid. I was being used by the intelligence community. Therefore, I can't be a witness. OK, so who was this guy? And who was he working for and who put him in charge to go after Papadopoulos, Clovis and Carter Page? And according to my sources, they're going to be documents showing Halper continued working his way to the top of the Trump transition team and then the Trump presidency, reaching out to advisors on behalf of people within our intelligence ranks. Then we've got, of course, the, you know, 2016 FBI email chain in October 2016, which is a key document identified by Nunes himself and his investigators. And that should show exactly what concerns the FBI knew about and discussed regarding the DOJ and Steele's dossier and other evidence to support foreign uh, the foreign intelligence uh, warrant, the FISA warrant. And if those concerns weren't shared with the FISA judges, which we know they weren't, that is, yes, another example of how they purposefully uh, literally conspired to mislead a FISA court, premeditated fraud on a court. We now know that there were Page and Papadopoulos exculpatory statements. That's part of the five or six buckets that we've been telling you about. That's all coming out. The gang of eight briefing materials that identified the shortcomings in the Russia collusion narrative from the very get-go of that investigation. 
Uh, we have the Steele spreadsheet. When did the FBI finally look into whether any of the dossier was true? Well, we now know none of it was verifiable because Steele never stood by a single word in it. And when the FBI finally in 2017 got into looking into it, they even determined over 90 plus percent was uh, false. New York Times referring to it as Russian disinformation from the beginning. That would mean the Russians knew that they were helping Hillary, not Donald Trump. And of course, we don't know what occurred in the Steele interview that went on for 16 hours with, with Durham. And we have the redacted sections in the third FISA renewal application. This was the last FISA warrant. I was renewed in June of 2017 after special counsel Mueller and his probe had started and it was signed by then Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And then, of course, records of allies. This is going to be all the stuff that was outsourced to foreign intelligence services uh, on behalf of the leaders of our intelligence services to spy on Americans, to spy on an American president, to circumvent American laws. And then add to that what Andy McCarthy has been saying and writing about, which is Obama had to be in on it because any counterintelligence investigation that's done for the president. Greg Jarrett is with us and Greg Jarrett knows all too well that, in fact, and he reminded me last night that it was struck and page that said the White House wanted to know every detail, which confirms what Andy McCarthy is saying, that there is no counterintelligence investigation unless a president approves of such and likely was kept abreast of. So what did Obama know? When did he know it? How often was he briefed on it? Uh, Greg Jarrett has a new book coming out soon, a follow up to his last bestseller. It's called Witch Hunt. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm well, and, and you summarized it quite nicely. There's no question that Obama was being briefed on a regular basis, probably by CIA Director John Brennan, because he normally briefs the president, and he was the instigator of the Russia hoax. He was the one who was, in fact, admitted in his testimony that he began to gather together the information and handed it off to the FBI. Uh, so, you know, I think Brennan uh, was, was uh, discussing all of this with President Barack Obama. And I agree with you. Obama ought to be able to uh, answer some questions. He ought to be interviewed. Uh, and he ought to answer these questions under oath because uh, nobody's above the law, not even the President of the United States, who, for purely political reasons, was commandeering the immense power of the government to violate the First Amendment protected rights of a political candidate in the opposing party running for President of the United States. Sean, that has never happened in the history of our country. When I interviewed the president about a month ago for the new book, he said this should never happen to another candidate. It should never happen to another president of the United States. I don't think anybody could disagree with that on any front. Um, we know that Graham, uh, Sarah had a piece come out that uh, Graham is going to advise the attorney general on the rollout of all these documents and that they're all going to be made public. Now, the words that were used to me in terms of what's going on with the attorney general's investigation, that it is thorough, that it is comprehensive, that nothing, no stone will uh, go unturned, that it will be transparent, that the American people will see it. And the words, it will shock the conscience of a nation when people finally understand the, the lengths to which they, one, well, rigged an investigation into Hillary, two, used her bought and paid for Russian information to spy on a presidential candidate, then a transition team with Russian lies, and then a president, and the efforts to undo an election, 
the election of a duly elected president and the outsourcing of spying on American citizens and a president by allied nations to circumvent U.S. laws. Is there any part of what I'm saying that's not going to come out? No, absolutely. It's all going to come out. And William Barr is going to make sure it comes out the same way he did with the Mueller report. And, uh, you know, the people who are going to be the most surprised are the mainstream media. They have been in denial. They drove the phony collusion narrative until it came up empty. And, you know, Sean, they're going to be dumbfounded when the curtain is finally pulled back on the real collusion that occurred here. And Democrats like uh, Adam Schiff and and Jerry Nadler will be less stupefied. Of course, only stupid people are stupefied. So that fits. But the abuse of the FISA court by Comey, McCabe, Yates, Rosenstein, that's the apex of the treachery, lying to the court, deceiving the judges, concealing evidence. And I think we're also going to find that Christopher Steele and other actors have already incriminated the FBI and the DOJ. So, you know, as you and I were talking last night, criminal referrals, there should be absolutely I'm convinced there will be. Well, I mean, there are criminal if there are criminal referrals on what I would view as one of the more insignificant, although it's important if we're going to apply laws equally. But one of the more insignificant issues was, of course, James Comey taking away classified information, government documents. Certainly you and I would agree it's a violation of the Espionage Act, which is a felony um, and being showing a lack of candor. Well, it didn't that put. Papadopoulos, Cohn, and Manafort in jail. Weren't they all found guilty of that in some way or admitted to being guilty of that? Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, so this, why, this why is, would he be treated differently? So if they're recommending, if, if there's a criminal referral on that issue, how is there not a criminal referral on premeditated fraud on a FISA court when we all know, and it's now been proven, number one, they knew and they were told and they were warned repeatedly that it's a political document, that it's unverified. We now know unverifiable. And the FBI director signed, what, three of the four of them. And when the FBI finally investigated the veracity of the dossier, they concluded 90 plus percent, if not all of the dossier was false. You're right. The the FISA abuse and the evidence in support of corrupt and illegal acts is far more substantial than the case against Comey for stealing presidential memos and leaking them. And that was a criminal referral. So, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. If, if, they, if the IG referred Comey on that, uh, he will surely be referred to for criminal prosecution for FISA abuse. Uh, you know, the IG report is already completed. It's probably going through a classification review. Uh, but I'm convinced that FBI Director Christopher Wray is fighting like hell to keep as much a, a possible secret, and because that's what he does. Uh, he Ray cares more about protecting the image of the FBI than he does about truth and transparency. But fortunately, William Barr won't let that happen. Uh, he has complete and unfettered authority to declassify. He will make sedulous use of that power. He knows a lot is at stake. He knows that people at the FBI and DOJ trifled with democracy. They undermined the rule of law and subverted the electoral process. And, you know, he is determined to restore law and order. He's the perfect attorney general for the job. And Lindsey Graham, uh, has is going to be meeting with him to make sure that Christopher Ray and the Intel chiefs don't bury all of this under classified status. You know, Christopher Ray should be 
fired. This is a man who has uh, obstructed lawful subpoenas issued by Congress. He is a man who has taken uh, non-classified information and retroactively classified it to hide and conceal and cover up FBI misconduct. Christopher Wray should not be in the FBI, certainly should not be the director. He should be fired. All right. Uh, stay right there. Greg Jarrett is uh, with us. Uh, his book, which includes an, a, an interview with the president coming out as the definitive book, it's called Witch Hunt, the ongoing misuse of the uh, government, how we should know exactly what happened with all of this. All right, as we continue, Greg Jarrett is uh, with us. All right, we only have 30 seconds. Everyone's asked, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Now, this is all going to unfold starting, I think, after Labor Day. How do you answer? Because my answer is, well, there's been a lot of developments. That's why, but it's going to all happen this fall. Well, I agree with you. There have been people have come forward belatedly because they know they're going to be implicated. And so, you know, they want to strike a deal, uh, tell the truth. And all of that has delayed this, plus a uh, classification review which is required. Uh, But, you know, the wheels of justice turn slowly. That doesn't mean that there is no justice afoot. And I expect it to happen sometime in the course of, uh, you know, right after Labor Day in the next month or so. All right, Greg Jarrett, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it as always. Great job. Uh, We'll check in with Colonel Alan West will join us. Also, News Roundup Information Overload. Your calls, though, are coming up straight ahead as we continue. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extra. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. People will walk up to me and hug me. They'll put their hand on me and go, thank you. They put their hand over their mouth like they're going to cry and go, thank you for what you're doing with the Trump. And I go, oh, great. Really? That's very kind of you. Or you see them and you wouldn't believe who they are sometimes. Like you see, you're kind of surprised. You see them sit there and they look at and you can tell where they are in the political spectrum. And I walk by and they go, Boy. there he is. That scumbag communist mother. You know, and whatever. You can just feel right. the, the hate because they, they love Trump. They you know love Trump because he's a racist. And, and and they are racists. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. I'm actually old enough to remember the good old days, and they weren't all that good in many ways. That message where I'll give you America great again is if you're a white Southerner, you know exactly what it means, don't you? You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Mitt Romney, he's speaking to a population of this, a segment of the population 
who does not like to see people other than a white man in the White House or in any other elected position. I don't know how anyone of Hispanic heritage could be a Republican, okay? Do I need to say more? Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. That he has supporters like David Duke connected with the Ku Klux Klan who are going around and saying Donald Trump is their candidate because Donald Trump is pushing their values. Ku Klux Klan values, David Duke values, Donald Trump values are not American values. They, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people. Some of them the dregs of society. On June 7, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. All right, 23 now until the top of the hour. You know, I've, I've said on this program a couple of things. I, I always have pointed out every two and four years, like clockwork, the Democratic Party, they play the race card. Those are some of the ads that have been played. You had, uh, George W. Bush, uh, at the time, he supported the death penalty for the, the evil perpetrators that killed an innocent human being or fellow American and dragged him to his death. He supported the death penalty. It's like my father was killed all over again because George W. Bush didn't support hate crimes legislation. He supported the death penalty for the guys that did this. That was his position. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fed up, especially in light of the New York Times admission this week of what their future plans are for this election. It's now, you know, if we can't bludgeon Trump with Russia, Russia, if, you know, we can't bludgeon Trump with impeachment and impeachment and collusion, collusion and stormy, stormy and asshole, asshole, we'll, we'll go to racist, racist. You know, we look at all these these big cities in America, Chicago, you know, 100 people in two weekends shot in Chicago. They didn't pay it. But well, it's been Democratic run for decades. Same with New York City. Same with Los Angeles. Same with San Francisco. I discussed all of this earlier today and I've been discussing it regularly. You know, what do you have? The highest crime areas, the ones with the toughest gun laws, where there's the most poverty, most misery. A mile away from Nancy Pelosi's house, what do we see? We see needles and people defecating and urinating on the streets. And why doesn't she build a homeless shelter right a mile away from her office in one direction and her home in the other direction? You know, so now this is after I've said in 2007, journalism is dead. It is dead. And if you didn't know it, just look at the, the lying, the, the propaganda, misinformation, the conspiracy theories, the hoaxes. That's for two and a half years. Then the New York Times, whoops, 
They have an executive editor, Dean Bacay, telling employees that, well, the Russia hoax unraveled uh, and the story became quite trickier. You know, we built our newsroom to cover one story and we did it truly well. No, you didn't. You lied for two and a half years with breathless reporting, hysterical reporting every day, thinking you got him, you got him, you got him. You're going to impeach him. You you lied to your audience. Same with the network. Same with the Washington Post. Same with two cable channels. MSDNC, the conspiracy channel, fake news, CNN. And now he's now but now he's even admitting what we're going to we're now going to shift our attention. We didn't get what we wanted from the Mueller report or the FBI investigation or the bipartisan Senate investigation or the House Intel investigation. No, um, you know, the, the New York Times is no better, as I've been saying, than these angry, angry, anonymous, agenda driven, you know, keyboard warriors on social media in their basement, in their underwear, spewing their hatred, you know, every hour of every day. Now, at the same event. You have the New York Times, uh, one of their staffers saying these conversations about what is racist, what isn't racist. I just feel like racism is everything. It's less about the individual instances of racism and sort of how we're thinking about racism and white supremacy is the foundation of all our systems in the country. And then accusing the president of being racist. And the executive editor responds that this is going to be the huge part of the American story next year. Oh. Russia, Russia didn't work. Nothing else worked. Now we'll switch to that and we'll divide the country along the way and maybe even hope for a recession in the meantime. Colonel Alan West is with us, former congressman. By the way, he's running to be the Texas party chair for the Republican Party. They'd be lucky to have him if he gets that job. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Sean. It's good to be with you. Well, before I ask you about your what you're running for, is there anything wrong or inaccurate in what I just said? No, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing inaccurate uh, whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, I think one of the things that the Democrat Party needs to understand and something that I've been telling a lot of people in Texas on American Independence Day in 1867, uh, the Republican Party of Texas was founded by 150 blacks. But at the same time, the Democrat Party, uh, 1867, post the Civil War, they were creating the Ku Klux Klan. So when we hear all of this divisive rhetoric that comes from the left about Jim Crow and segregation and everything, those were their policies. Those were the Democrat policies. The Republican Party uh, has always been a party for individual liberty and freedom. And when they were created in 1854, they were created for one reason, to end slavery. Another one of the institutions that the Democrat Party fought so hard to uh, to maintain. And I, I want to say something, today, too, Colonel West. Let me tell you something. Yeah. There's hate. All, you know, on from everybody has their own little sick, twisted ideology, you know, all these these groups out there. And there are these these white supremacist jackasses. Uh, uh, They're not any conservative. I know or would ever want to know. Uh, I believe in our founding document that we're endowed by one God. All of us. We're all Americans. We're all created equal. Natural rights come from God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But also, I don't like those people screaming, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? Or, you know, how come the media that is so obsessed with race, are they going to ask about the hidden picture that finally emerged after eight years of Obama's presidency with uh, one of the biggest racist anti-Semites in the country, Louis Farrakhan? I'd like an answer to that. 
Well, you're not going to get an answer to that because uh, as far as the progressive socialist left goes, there are two different sets of rules. Uh, they operate under no rules, and everyone else is supposed to operate under the rules that they dictate. And when you talk about the individual rights that are endowed to us from our creator, what is happening, Sean, in the United States of America is that the left has all of a sudden transferred uh, their ideological agenda into what they believe should be rights for the individual, right to uh, free health care, right to free college education. And so their ideological agenda, I hate to use the term, but it trumps our constitutional rights. And that's what you see happening as they step over our First Amendment rights. They are trying to take away our Second Amendment rights all down the line. So I think it's very important that we talk about the relationship between the individual and the institution of government. And uh, I think that more people, Hispanic, black, white, Asian, whatever, they will come to the side of constitutional conservatism because it is about elevating the individual and their sovereignty over the institution of government. And you are so correct, John. I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, and what I have seen happen in the black community since 1961 when I was born, it is absolutely genocidal. It is absolutely a tragedy. 20 million black babies have been murdered in the womb since 1973. You don't hear too many. By the way, the founder of Planned Parenthood, what's her name? Sanger. Margaret Sanger. Right. Uh, Isn't that wasn't that a stated goal of her? That it was. And she is an avowed racist and avowed white supremacist. She spoke at Klan rallies and she called people that looked like me undesirables and weeds. So why That's is it disgusting. that we don't hear from the It is disgusting. And why do they get a half a million? Why do they get 500 million tax dollars a year? Um, I, I don't want to um, stay that, that focused on this, but when you have a news organization that says they went all in on one story, but they got it wrong, there's no apology, there's no correction, and then they say, okay, we'll now move on to this issue of race. For the entire election. Now we're going to dedicate the New York Times newsroom on this issue. And I don't think they're going to cover any of the things that you and I have discussed. Imagine if Donald Trump had said nice things about the former Klansman, Robert KKK Bird, like Joe Biden has. Yeah. Or Hillary Clinton well, says, well, yeah. the former Klansman was my mentor. Yeah. Well, they're not going to cover that. And one of the things that you just said, the New York Times is no longer a news agency. They are a propaganda wing of the Democrat Party. I mean, Tom Perez, the DNC chairman, might as well just call them up and feed them their talking points and their news stories. Uh, That's the real collusion that is going on in the United States of America is the collusion between uh, one political party and what is supposed to be a free, responsible and objective press that no longer is. Tell me about this position you're running for. Um, I didn't I know you were a congressman from Florida. I didn't know you moved to Texas. I think it's great that you are running for this position. I've known you for a long time. Uh, you're an American hero to me. Um, you're you're I love your policies. I love, you know, everything about you. You've been a, a great friend to me also. And I want to help you if I can. Tell me the status of the race, what's going on and and what and how people can help you. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, They can go to West, W-E-S-T, the number four, Texas.com. And the reason I moved here uh, five years ago uh, to work with the Public Policy Foundation, and some people came to me and have asked me to get back into the political scene. And when I look at what is happening in Texas and how the left is focused on flipping Texas, and they're taking over the major population centers, the ideological battle for America is right here in the Lone Star State. And I think that 
being the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas would be an important position to make sure that we keep Texas in the red column and not have it go as, as uh, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado, and Virginia have. So I wrote a book that came out last October called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death, and it just lays out the principled and, and ideological differences between Texas and California, what has made Texas the 11th largest economy in the world. And I want to keep it that way, the growth, the opportunity, and prosperity. And it's only because of conservative principles, Sean, and I appreciate your support. Well, I wish you all the best. What part of Texas now have you relocated to? Yeah, I'm uh, living in Garland, Texas, which is just east of uh, Dallas. Oh, that's awesome. Great part of the country. All right. Uh, thank you. Our good friend, Colonel Allen West. We always love having you on, my friend. Thank you for being with us. And we'll watch that appreciate race closely. It. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. John Solomon breaking news. We also have news on Epstein again. It's insane. Also, the latest on the 2020 Democratic insanity. Uh, Oh, now Sanders has a Green New Deal. And guess how he's going to pay for it? Well, we'll tell you about that tonight on Hannity. Also, Comrade de Blasio, free housing for illegals over citizens. You can't make this up. Also, the latest on the squad and AOC. We have all of this tonight at 9. Hannity, Fox News. See you then. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.